What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. want to uh, play for you here a couple segments from our TV show on The First TV, where we talk all about Pride Month, which is now spilled out into like the entire year. So it is so important we know the roots of where this movie came from. And once you do, and you see their plan, everything starts to fall into place. And, and we see it, we, we do see it with the transgender movement, uh, exact same playbook, and there'll be more playbooks to come because it's incredibly successful. And then we talk with the great Oren McIntyre, this guy's awesome, about the spiritual reality of what we're up against right now. It's fantastic. He's great. We will talk a lot more with Oren over the years. So enjoy our special Pride Before the Fall. Hey, Slider Crusaders, America is the greatest country in the world. Welcome to our special Politics by Faith Pride Before the Fall. Happy Gay Pride Month! Month! And they're getting an early start this year. All that Target stuff started in the middle of May. It's like when you walk into the Home Depot and they have Christmas decorations in October. We don't even bother waiting till Thanksgiving for Christmas decorations. We don't have a way for Halloween anymore for Christmas decorations. And it's the same with Gay Pride Month spilling out into the middle of May. But it's all year, too. Every week, it's something. Every week, it's Transgender Awareness Day or Bisexual Pride Month or whatever. Here's a list. We have a, this is all the gay pride holidays that go on throughout the year. They've taken over the entire calendar. My favorite is LGBTQ History Month, LG, which is in October, which is very different than Pride Month. You have History Month and Pride Month. And it's not just the official holidays. Google uh, will just take random day to honor gay people. May 22nd, the Google Doodle was honoring a Native American lesbian activist who died 21 years ago, but for some reason, we are honoring her now. So on today's special, we're gonna talk about Pride Month. Notice they took the gay out of it. Just a couple years ago, it was the Gay Pride Parade and Gay Pride Month. Now it's just pride. And of all the sins, that's the one they chose. But we'll talk about what this means for our culture, how it happened, and what do we do 
next. We'll also talk with someone who has detransitioned to give us some great insight into what's really going on behind this. I'm grateful you're here. A couple things. I can't think of a more successful lobbying effort in my lifetime. There's nothing more powerful than the gay lobby. They are brilliant, and it is all planned out, and it has been enacted perfectly. I'll prove it. It all started with Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. They wrote a book called After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. Two gay men, both Harvard educated. One was a marketing guy, one was a uh, psychologist. So they uh, sat down and uh, made a whole plan on how to normalize homosexuality. It actually started with a magazine article that you can still read online. It's called The Overhauling of Straight America. Every quote we're gonna share here today is from that magazine article. The Overhauling of Straight America it was written in 1987. I'm not making any of this up. They had six goals. Well, let me say this first. The first goal was, in the 90s, to desensitize people to homosexuality as if it were merely just a preference, just like any other preferences. And that's what they said, the way they register, they being you, straight, white, evil person, uh, or straight person in particular, uh, the way you have different tastes for ice cream or sports teams. She likes strawberry, I like vanilla. He follows baseball, I follow football, no big deal. That's all homosexuality was to be. The goal wasn't to persuade straight people that homosexuality, again, another word they don't use, it wasn't to persuade straight people that homosexuality is good. The goal was just to normalize it, right? Just to get people to think it's a, it's a shrug of their shoulders. Like, man, whatever. And they said, if you can get people to shrug their shoulders about this issue, then, you, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. So, how did the gays get there? They said it requires a large-scale media campaign. And they had to do six things in this campaign. Number one, talk about gays and gayness as loudly and as often as possible. Again, to be clear, this is not me looking back saying this is what they did. This is them in the beginning saying this is what we have to do. And it's me looking back and saying this is exactly what they did. Talk about gays and gayness as loudly and as often as possible. The argument is that novelty makes people react negatively. But eventually, if you see something enough, you're like, oh, well, fine. <laughs> The goal was to get people to say, oh, enough already, do whatever you want. Sure, fine, get married, who cares, just shut up, go away, fine, whatever. That was, that was the goal. And the way to do that was through TV. They said the average American at the time, I'm sure it's even worse now, watches over seven hours of TV a day. They said those hours open up a gateway into the private world of straits through which a Trojan horse might be passed. So far, gay Hollywood has provided our best covert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. Bit by bit over the past 10 years, gay characters and gay themes have been introduced into TV programs and films. And now we see it in kids' programs, kids' cartoons. So if homosexuality can just be presented as normal, then it's the religious people who are seen as the backwards people and out of steps with the times and all that. And they said, listen, this worked with divorce, worked with abortion, we're just gonna normalize it. And if it works with those things, it can work with homosexuality as well. Number two, portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. We see this beautifully with the T's today. The T's are taking the same playbook that the L's and G's did years ago. So the T's, it's the transgenders who force themselves into women's bathrooms, and then they turn around and play the victim. How do you do that? They said in practical terms, this means that jaunty mustachioed muscle men 
would need to be kept a very low profile in gay commercials, while sympathetic figures of nice young people, old people, and attractive women would be featured. And they said it goes without saying that groups on the furthest margin of acceptability, such as NAMLA, that NAMBLA, that would be the North American Man-Boy Love Association, must play no part at all in such a campaign. But don't worry, that campaign is next. They're now called the minor attracted persons. But don't worry, they'll be portrayed as victims as well. Third thing they gotta do, third thing they did, give the protectors a just cause. Meaning, don't have people, your allies, don't get people to defend homosexuality itself, like the act. Make it a human right. Make it a civil rights issue. They said the right to free speech, freedom of beliefs, freedom of association, due process, equal protection of laws. These should be the concerns brought to mind by our campaign. So we gotta make gay rights as, as heroic of a battle as the civil rights campaign. We gotta make gay rights a human right, a civil right, as American as apple pie. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Number four, make gays look good. This was in the very beginning of getting this all into schools. And when they first started getting it into schools, it was, here's a list, so it started with LGBTQ history, right? Here's a list of prominent historical gay people and their contributions. That was the beginning of it. In no time, they said, a skillful and clever media campaign would have the gay community looking like the veritable fairy godmother to Western civilization. We wouldn't have America if it weren't for the gays. Make the victims, gay people, look good. And the inverse of that, number five, make the victimizers look bad. The goal here was to make people against homosexuality look so nasty that the average person who just wants to be thought of as nice doesn't want anything to do with them. Because that's, that's how most people think. That's our modern religion today. We're going to talk to R. McIntyre in a little bit about our modern religion. Uh, but our main modern religion's goal, the greatest virtue, is to be nice. So no one's really looking at the issue. We're just looking at who's mean and who's nice. Oh, the gay people, look how nice they are. I know Ellen DeGeneres. She's funny. She's nice. She's the queen of nice. Mean. Look at that pastor over there. He's mean. They said the public should be shown images of ranting homophobes whose secondary traits and beliefs disgust middle America, like the KKK demanding that gays should be burned alive or castrated, bigoted Southern ministers drooling with hysterical hatred to a degree that looks both comical and deranged, menacing punks, thugs, and convicts speaking coolly about the FAGS they have killed or would like to kill, a tour of Nazi concentration camps where homosexuals were tortured and gassed 
That's the people against little old us. You don't want to be on their team, do you? And finally, number six, solicit funds. Get money. They said there's between 10 and 15 million gay Americans. That's what they said. Now, in 1990, that would be about 5% of the population. Right now, Gen Z is 20%. They say that Gen Z self-identifies 20% as, as LGBTQ. But their point was, if each gay person donated $2, they'd have a ton of money. <laughs> and they're like, hey, gay people, give us money. You don't have any kids. You have plenty of money to give. So that was in 1987. And the gay lobby followed it to a T. And now the T's, the transgenders, are using the same playbook to great success, by the way. Another reason why the gay lobby was so successful recently is Selma envy. It was a term coined by Hans Fien. In social studies class, millennials all through middle school and high school learned about the civil rights heroes of the 60s. And we were told that there was one way that you can be as righteous as those people. Look how amazing they are. They're the best people ever. And you can be like them. You just have to fight injustice for a marginalized group. And then came the gays. And it was perfect. It was perfect for millennials to support because it required nothing from us. There was no need for a financial sacrifice. The gays had plenty of money. There was no need for any effort. Just have a parade every so often or something on Instagram. There was no need for moral consistency. I can still sleep around. Doesn't matter. And be an ally for the cause. It was perfect for millennials. And it worked. And now, this guy is the face of Bud Light. And 20% of Gen Z is gay. <laughs> what? But hey, hey, hey. Lady Gaga had a catchy song. And people bought the lies. The biggest lie was born this way. We're going to share coming up the most thorough study on this that proves that that is simply not true. That was one of the other things, one of the other tactics that these two Harvard guys came up with is we have to tell people that gay people are born this way. It's not a choice. And you can't discriminate against me for something that's not a choice of mine. So we have to, they, they said in 1987, we have to tell people that we are born this way, even though we know it's not true. I'll prove that coming up. But before we do, let's get to the true root of this movement. And then we're going to talk to like the spiritual root of it. And then we'll talk to a man who lived life as a woman for a while, tons of surgeries. And uh, he can tell us, now he's detransitioned, and he can tell us what pushed him down this road and how we can rescue our kids and our entire culture from where we're headed. It's all coming up next. I'm grateful you're here. Pride before the fall. Spread the word. Quick time out from our podcast to thank our sponsor, Patriot Gold Group. These guys are fantastic. I bought gold from them for the first time years ago. Actual, real, physical gold I hold in my hand. It's pretty remarkable. You feel like, Scrooge McDuck, look at all the gold I have. And you can too. Like You don't have to be a king. Uh, Look who's buying gold. Look at China. It's not just China. Central banks around the world are buying gold at a record pace. At a record pace. Why? What are they doing? It's about de-dollarization. It's about taking us off the, the, America, the dollar off the reserve currency. That's what this all is. They're buying gold for a reason. Patriot Gold Group is the people to buy it from. They call themselves Patriot Gold Group for a reason. You can also ask about a no-fee-for-life IRA. Your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver as well, or you can just have the gold in your possession. 
6122, that's the exact number I called years ago and talked to uh, the, the wonderful people there. You get a free investor guide as well. Any questions you have at all, 1-888-617-6122. Patriot Gold Group is the Consumer Affairs top rated gold IRA dealer, now six years in a row and counting. 1-888-617-6122, patriotgoldgroup.com. always taught me what would Jesus do yes. and I know Jesus would be attending that pride parade with pride, and I also, with pride and I also know that um, God is love and Jesus is love yeah. and, and love is love Oof. Oren McIntyre is here he's a host at The Blaze right now and of course you got to follow him on Twitter he does incredible work there Oren how are you sir doing well thanks for having me I mean, I'm, I want to ask you just about that, but let's get back around to that. Let's talk about some of the bigger things here before we uh, respond to that goofiness. You wrote a recent Twitter thread, and you said, for a long time, progressives made great strides by transferring conflicts of moral vision. So we got to define that. What is a conflict of moral vision? Out of the realm of the sacred, we got to define that, and into the realm of the scientific. So let's define that. And you said, by making things cold, clinical, and rational, the secular left was able to deconstruct load-bearing social norms. So can you walk us through that text and we can uh, learn a lot here? Sure, absolutely. So every civilization has to have a specific tradition. It has to have a certain moral vision for what's going to happen inside that society. And that's going to define its values. That's going to define the way it uses language, the way it orders families, the way it creates businesses, the way it does trade. Everything about a society is going to be uh, created inside that moral vision. And if you have a conflict of moral visions in a society, then you have to figure out how you're going to kind of rectify that, how you're going to come to some kind of consensus. And progressives did a great job of winning that battle of deciding what the moral consensus would be by transferring many of those questions of moral vision, those conflicts of moral vision out of the realm of the sacred, out of the realm of religion, philosophy, the metaphysical, things that exist beyond just the sheer matter in the universe. And they transferred them into the realm of the scientific. And what that did for progressives is it allowed them to reduce everything that had once been in the domain of the sacred, which had once been described best by religion, philosophy, these things, into something that was just nuts and bolts. It was just the atoms involved. It was just the basic biology involved. And when they did that, it allowed them to get beyond many of the very hardwired and uh, traditionally inculcated values and norms that we have in society. When they did that, that allowed them to advance their, their political agenda, but it also tore down some really essential uh, infrastructure inside our society. Okay, so perfectly said. So I think the clearest example, correct me if I'm wrong, it would be abortion, right? So we have a, a sacred life made in the image of God, knitted in the womb to a clump of cells. Is that what you're talking about here? That would absolutely be one. The redefinition of marriage yeah. is another, right? By moving this into strictly something about biological attraction rather than something that was mm. ordained by God or something that was created by a, na a natural hierarchy for a specific purpose. Instead, it's simply a, a biological function and uh, can be reduced to those things. So I think both of those work okay. as great examples. So I think we see some examples, but then the last thing you said there was like, then what? 
Okay, so, so once, we, once they successfully do this, and we see it nearly everywhere now that you've articulated that so well, so, so then what? What's the problem with that moving forward? Other than they're just political victories, that's bad enough, but then what? Well, these things weren't just political institutions. They were institutions that were, again, load-bearing in society. They were things that were essential for human flourishing, for people be the, to be in a right relationship with each other, to be in a right relationship with God, to find happiness and meaning, and to order society in a way that it could perpetuate itself. And we're seeing that all those things are falling apart. Families are harder to form. People have a much harder time simply entering into meaningful relationships, much less entering in, in, into anything that would be considered sacred or something that would be considered important for, say, the rearing of children. And not only that, we're also seeing educational institutions, we're seeing the inability of just the basic social fabric to form around different parts and segments of our society. And that has a very serious uh, consequence for us. One of the themes that I like to talk about all the time is that we don't even talk about the soul anymore. It's not even a concept that's discussed. It's all about the brain. So when you remove the soul, what happens? And I think my other question is that when you talk about, I'm trying to think of this from the perspective of an atheist or postmodernist, whatever. And they would say, oh, you silly Oren and Slater. You guys are talking about these things that can't be seen, these things that can't be proven. Uh, they're not important because they're not real. I'm focused on this, the, the reality of things. How do you respond to that? The importance of the soul and the importance of the unseen. I think you have to be pretty foolish and have a very narrow view of reality to not understand that there are things beyond the material. I think that we mm. did a lot in modernity by closing one eye to the reality of the spirituality, of spirituality, right? We, we looked through the microscope and we saw only the physical, only the rational. And that did do important things for us by focusing on those things. We did have the ability to solve certain problems, you know, uh, cure diseases, all of these things. Very good. They're, they're, there's positive things. But by focusing all of our attention on that one thing, by making that the one unifying principle and the one way we understood the world around us, we close mm. the other eye to really essential things. And blinding ourselves to half of reality is very dangerous, even if it brings some short-term gains in the material realm. Okay, and I love this point, and I don't fully understand it, so I want to see if you can help me. Um, you made this point that all these spiritual truths will come back around. Like, so, so these... These uh, people who are all pro-reason can, can push religion away, but they can't. It will smack them on eventually. What do you mean by that? Well, we're already seeing this, right? We're already seeing a kind of a second religiousness emerge inside America. Unfortunately, not in a traditional way, but it's already culminating mm. around this idea of gender, around this idea of wokeness. We're already seeing uh, these people say two plus two is five and that there's you know, some some kind of almost metaphysical original sin around maybe being you know, like a white Christian male. These things are not rational concepts. And this is why sometimes classical liberals are blown away because they say, wait, I thought we got rid of all this religious stuff. I thought that we discarded oh, all yes. these fairy tales. Uh, we move beyond this. We advance beyond this. But of course, we never did. That was always a lie. Humans are religious creatures. They will embrace a religion. And so while you can shove all that stuff in a broom closet for a little while, we see it start to break through. And that's why we have all these quasi-religious displays based around America's new Ramadan, which is Pride Month, right? Because we cannot <sighs> repress our religious nature, whether we want to or not. Okay, let's bring the, the pride stuff into it. That's the point of the special. So how does that, this whole movement, fit into everything you're talking about here? 
Yeah, this has just become, the, I think, very clearly the kind of rallying cry for our new state religion. I mean, the America flies the American flag, sure, but it flies the pride mm. flag among over its embassies, right? You, you see these uh, TikTok, uh, these uh, libs of TikTok videos where teachers are saying, oh, I don't have a American flag in the classroom, pledge allegiance to the pride flag. And everybody laughs at that and say it's ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous. It's just a manifestation of what they're actually doing. They're creating a new value hierarchy, a new moral vision, a new religion in the crudest sense, but it is still a religion at its base. And this is what America is supposed to adhere to. And we see it everywhere. Corporate America is bought into this. Our educational system is bought into this. This is holy to them. And you can tell it's holy because if you violate any of its tenets, you're destroyed. I'm sure you've seen those pride flags painted on like crosswalks and stuff. And if someone leaves a skid mark on those, the police go after them. What is that? That's a blasphemy law. We know what it is. You can see it as long as you understand religion is still around. Wow, so good. Okay, I got a ton more questions, Oren. We'll do it for another day, but just a final concluding thought. Like, what are we to do, the ones who truly believe in, in the, the spiritual world and the, uh, the right one, if you will? Uh, what are we to do in this chaotic world? Well, I think a big thing that has to happen is that we need to have uh, parallel institutions that are going to allow people to push back against this new imperial faith that is emerging inside the American state. We need institutions that will allow Christians and other people of faith that would oppose this to be able to have jobs, to have schooling, to have banking without getting canceled, without mm -hmm. being destroyed. There's a lot more that needs to get done, but at the very minimum, we need an infrastructure that allows for people who aren't buying into this to have a parallel existence. And you can already see the effective of sub effectiveness of some of this with the push back against Target and Bud Light. There is an ability for conservatives and Christians to have an economic impact to speak with their dollars. But the best thing for them to do is to also have another place to take that stuff, to not just have to go back to Target once you know they, they calm down a little mm. bit with the pride stuff, but to have alternatives that will truly invest in something that is a alternative moral vision. Do it as long as they will allow it. But you saw that guest on MSNBC say that not buying stuff from Target is terrorism, economic terrorism. So they'll, they'll find a way to get you coming or going. Uh, Oren McIntyre, if you want more Oren, go check out The Blaze. Oren, super grateful, man. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll definitely do it again. Uh, this is a, a free shout out to the sponsor of my podcast, Politics by Faith is uh, Public Square. The Public Square app is that parallel marketplace where you can only do business with people who share your values. Coming up next, we'll talk with Ollie London, a man who lived life as a woman and has now detransitioned back to a man. He has some real insight into what we are really up against. That's next, Mike Slater, spread the word. This whole pride fiasco has been great, actually. I like when times are tough. I like when people draw lines in the sand because it gives you an opportunity to reconsider and to make different choices. And who are you giving your money to? That's important. But what am I gonna do, Slater? Where else am I gonna go? Public Square has a free app and it is a curation of businesses that share your values. Target and Bud Light are not there. And it's in every category. So do what I do first, hit restaurants or coffee near me, and it's, it's just businesses around you owned by people who share your values. And then you can broaden out from there because you'll love this app, 
right? Everything, every time you wanna buy something, you'll go, you'll go here first. You'll be like, hey, I want something for my pets. Boom, you'll go to the pet section. Uh, I need a bank or financial services, boom. I need something for my home, clothing, whatever. Like it's all right here in the app and you are doing business with people who share your values. We need a parallel economy to stick it to these people who are, well, sticking it to you. They are, the, a couple weeks ago, they were the third most downloaded app in the entire app store. Isn't that incredible? Public Square app, join the movement. Public Square app, publicsq.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.